morning, um, as we've walked through this entire series of the road trip that changed the world, we've gone to different spaces. This morning, we're going to the space of Bethlehem. And as we think of the story, of course, the story is about a birth, something that many of you have some intimate familiarity with. Yes, uh, you know what it's like to bring a child into the world as a parent or, you know, the experience of a grandparent. Um, how long does it take to get ready for a baby? How much work does it take to get ready for a baby? I mean, we know it should take nine months, right? I mean, that's something that goes without saying. But um, certainly I'm 16 years at least removed from that for my own children, with Troy um, being our youngest. But um, we've watched it over the last year or so with Katie and Cam and Theo, our grandchild. Um, you know, she found out that she was pregnant and she had to arrange that she would announce that to us. You know, she announced it to Kristen and I, and they announced it to Cam's parents and then all their friends. And of course, in this day and age, you have to get the right gram post, right? You got to do the right thing on Instagram or Snapchat or whatever it is. And um, but then all the other work begins, right? You have getting a nursery ready. Um, you have getting some outfits ready for when the baby is born. You certainly go through things like showers and other celebrations where you anticipate the coming of this baby and um, that's in those circumstances, and many of you know those circumstances when you're home and you sort of, uh, you're surrounded by people who love you and encourage you and know you well and are excited that your story is happening the way that it is. That's, that's sort of how we know what it means to prepare for the birth of a child. That's not how it looks in this story. His story is very different than that sort of experience of preparing for the child. And we're going to see in Mary's experience of being a mother, Joseph's experience of being a father, and even how the shepherds engage with the new baby Jesus, that it tells us something of what Bethlehem represents as a place, a space, not only to the Holy Family and to those participants in the nativity, but also to us. And what it reminds us of, especially in the reality that we're experiencing this Christmas, how we might be encouraged in that. As we dig into God's word, let's pray for his blessing on our time and his encouragement to us that we might learn more about what he wants to say to us today. Father, be present with us in Jesus' name. Speak to our hearts and our minds through the power of your spirit that we might be moved to understand, Lord, in Mary and Joseph's experience, in the experience of the shepherds, and in that whole space of Bethlehem. There is something that equips us to understand more about who you are to us today, here in this space, in this reality. We pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that you encourage us to respond to your story this morning and that we can live into this week of Christmas with the appropriate response, considering who you are and the joy and the thanksgiving of knowing your grace, but also, Lord, being equipped to tell that story to those around us who need to hear it. Father, equip us to that end to learn and grow. Be transformed in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would turn in me with your Bibles, we're going to begin, of course, in the very familiar story of Luke chapter 2. We're going to begin with the first seven verses. It says this there in God's Word. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. 
And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them in the inn. Actually, available for them. There is a reason why I don't say the inn. I might get to that in a minute. This whole story of the baby coming can't be how Mary pictured it. Now, those of you who are moms, did anyone imagine what it was like to be a mom when you were much younger? Maybe you imagined it at like, you know, a child, three, four, maybe even up to the age of 10 or 12. You imagined what it was like to be a mom. Any moms like that? Did you at least think about it a little bit? Maybe you played house around your home uh, as a child and you grabbed a baby and you imagined what it would be like. You sort of had the idea like, well, I'll be the mom and you be the dad, right? Those sorts of games. Like we sort of have this picture of what it's like to be a family and to be a parent. Now I can believe that Mary would have had some of those dreams, some of those, some of that imagination as well, but this can't be how she pictured it because she's not in her hometown. She's in Bethlehem, right? Her hometown is Nazareth. That's where she lives. That's where her community is. That's where her friends are. That's where her family is. And she's been uprooted to the, from that in this most pivotal of times, the time of the, of the birth of the baby, into a new space, a space of unfamiliarity. Now, this is Joseph's family, and we can certainly imagine that they would show hospitality to Mary. But it's not the same. It's like going to your in-law's house when you're first married. It's a strange place. Some of us know that feeling, right? We, we may get along with them, but it's not what's familiar. That's where Mary is. And not only that, but um, she's just made this long trip, so she's probably recovering from it. The discomfort of having gone 70 miles on foot over the course of a couple weeks getting to Bethlehem. Add to that the fact that there's really not a good space for them. So the idea of when we say an inn, that's actually not the right Greek word for no room for them. There was no room for them in the guest room is how we should put it. The guest room was traditionally on the top room of the house. It was on the roof of a house and that's where you would put um, someone who came. That's how you'd show hospitality for them. Obviously in the middle of Bethlehem, there's a lot of people there, so there's no room there. So she has to go and lay the baby in a manger. Now, we have this sort of image. How many of you have a nativity set at home? You got one set up right now. Okay, a lot of us do. We actually have a couple um, that we set up. We got the little people one. That's sort of a fun, fun one, a little toy one. And um, you have this idyllic view with, and maybe you, you think of it this way, right? You got a stable, and in the stable you have a perfect looking cow, maybe a goat over here, a couple sheep, and then you have this nice spot that's a manger, and it's all separate, and you have the good looking shepherds, they look nice, they got the right robes on, you got the wise men with all their stuff, and they're holding out three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and Mary is sitting there with a smile on her face, and Joseph, everything fine. But that image doesn't at all do justice to culturally what this would be. 
So here's how this would work with the animals especially. The animals were, especially in the home, a manger was set not in a separate space because if you set the manger in a separate space, you were wasting something. You actually put the manger in a common room of the house. Think a really big living room. And there's a reason why you would do that. You would have the animals come in to the space and they would eat and sleep at night for one simple reason. Cows, goats, and sheep create a whole lot of heat. And you don't have a furnace in those days. So you had your animals be your furnace. They would keep your house warm. So Mary is laying the baby in a manger, in a common space where everyone else is because that's culturally where a manger would be. So she's on display as a new mom with a child who I don't think the truth of the Christmas carol holds true. No crying he makes. He probably cries and you can imagine as a new mom with crying baby that's hard to sort of comfort is difficult when you're surrounded by all these people and you're on display. So this whole picture of Mary being in Bethlehem, of Joseph together starting a new family, it's a place of discomfort. It's not one of those sort of simple idyllic views that we get from our nativity scene. It's actually a much more challenging view. Mary's experience was not a simple one. It was a challenging one. Now, think about last week. We talked about Jerusalem was this place of power and position and Herod and all that stuff. Bethlehem is a place where Mary has to have faith. This is a place of faith. You're in the unknown. You're in the uncomfortable. Do we know anything about that today? The unknown, the uncomfortable, the place where it is difficult at various times in our lives. We're actually in a place like Bethlehem right now in our world. Faith comes in a place of discomfort And Mary and Joseph are in that space. The passage continues, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So let's think about these shepherds because, again, we've already talked a little bit about them in a previous message, but we're going to talk about them more right now. First of all, shepherds, and Kristen and I actually, when we were Israel, we saw shepherds. So I want you to imagine in this story, unless there's something unusual going on, this is probably three, maybe four people. The youngest one of the shepherds is uh, maybe Jonathan's age, right? Middle school. And maybe the oldest one is um, Stuart's age. So almost 20, what are you, 20, Stuart, right there? There you go, 21. That's the oldest shepherd, right? So in that age group, three or maybe four of them. And um, 
these are, now what do we read in scripture? And it's important, if we're gonna talk about the shepherds, let's read it, it says this, and there were shepherds, what? What were they doing? They were living, all right? They're not out, they're not just hanging out, they're not working, they're living. Now, here's what I want you to think of. Here's the image that I want to get. These are backwoods folks. These are folks who live outside of sort of the norm of culture where you have a town or you have a community that lives together. These are loners. They live on their own, and they're used to living on their own. And if you know anything about folks who live in that sort of environment, what's it like to go to town? It's a little stressful. In fact, town is not a place that is comfortable for you. There's too many people there. There's too many dynamics going on that you don't want to be a part of. These shepherds are not a part of that world. They are uneducated. They are sort of the the salt of the earth type of group of people who their job is simply to take care of livestock and share that with people in the community who own them. So that was their interaction. It's all around sheep. Not around this, because this stuff, this is crazy. For them to even think about approaching the manger was uncomfortable. These are people who would only come to that space by the overwhelming and clear movement of God. And I think in that moment of the angel showing up and announcing himself to the shepherds, I think we get as understated a word as we possibly can have in the text when we say, and they were terrified. I don't think that does justice to the word. I think the idea of the shepherds is, I've got, I I can't even speak. Have you ever been in that moment where something has happened and you've been absolutely frozen? You don't even know how to respond? It's so overwhelming with what's going on. Maybe it's been, in the, maybe you've experienced some sort of accident. Maybe you heard news um, that was just overwhelming and it was almost like you're dumbfounded. You're overwhelmed. That's where the shepherds were. This whole interaction with the angels, although there is certainly beauty, beauty of the angels singing glory to God and praise to God, the idea of them being terrified is an understated idea. They were probably just sort of standing there absolutely, you know, with their mouths wide open, overwhelmed, like, ugh. The idea of going to Bethlehem, they weren't just going to Bethlehem because this was a cool thing that happened. They were going to Bethlehem because they were fearful. If they didn't go to Bethlehem and see what was happening, these beings who just showed up, what are they going to do with us if we don't go to Bethlehem? They're scared of what's happening. So for them to go to Bethlehem is also a step of faith. Bethlehem in this whole story is a place of faith, a place where God is has to show up because if he doesn't show up, you're overwhelmed. That that violates our image of the nativity scene, doesn't it? Takes the little people and messes it up. Instead of Mary sitting there sort of in this idyllic space of holding the baby, she's an overwhelmed young woman who's in the unfamiliar. She's inexperienced and she has to deal with this child without the support around her of her family and friends. 
Here's the shepherds, not in their beautiful clean robes, but rough and tumble sort of folks who probably when they showed up at the door made Joseph and Mary uncomfortable just by their presence and their demeanor. These are not just the sort of people that were a part of their regular community and all of a sudden they show up to the door and they want to see the baby? How many moms you let strangers see your baby? doesn't happen very quick. This challenges our idea of this idyllic nativity. The passage continues and challenges it even more. When the angels had left them, gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem, see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who, were, all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when, the time, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. So we get this image, shepherds are convicted, shepherds are challenged, and they decide together, let us go. But I don't think it's, let us go see this thing that has happened. It's like, we better go see this thing that has happened, otherwise we might be getting in trouble with these, these angels. Like they're over, overwhelmed. And then they walk into town. And who knows how they walked into town? Three or four guys that are just sort of going into this small village by themselves? Or maybe they're surrounded by 50, 75, 80 sheep. Can you imagine what that would do in the town? Right? And so they, they coming into town is a big deal for the shepherds and has impact on the community. And then they show up wherever it is that Mary and Joseph are staying and they knock on the door. And you can imagine Joseph, I imagine as the father, right, opening the door. And you see the scene in front of you of these rough and tumble folks with a whole bunch of sheep. And they say, um, we heard something. And you as a dad are saying, yeah, you guys are a little crazy. There's no way you're getting near my kid. But then they tell the story. We heard the angel. And the angel said this to us. Is, is there a baby here? I think that's absolutely, right in that moment, one of the pivotal moments of the Christmas story, and here's why. Because I think in that moment, you get the confluence, you get the, 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 the um, intersection of Joseph and Mary's story, a story of faith where God has shown up. How has God shown up? God showed up in a dream to Joseph, right? Don't divorce Mary. Instead, marry her. She is, uh, she, her child is conceived by the Holy Spirit, okay? So God showed up to Joseph. He knows that. An angel showed up at Mary and said, it's okay that you're going to conceive a son by the Holy Spirit and you will name him Jesus, okay? So God has shown up, but that's been months removed. This is nine months. How many of you have had God show up in your life in the last nine months? That you know, you know God showed up. Do you forget? Do you forget that? 
absolutely, right? We go on moving through life. We go on and have the next day's experience and that impacts how we view God's intersection in our world and God's power and presence in our world. Joseph and Mary are months removed from God's presence and God's story that this is in fact the savior of the world and all of a sudden, knock, knock, knock. Can we see the baby? Because an angel told us he's the salvation of the world. In that moment, I imagine Joseph and Mary are like, oh, this must be real. All this stuff that we have done for the sake of faith in what God has told us must be real. It's one thing to remember the the voice of an angel from nine months ago. It's another thing to hear that that same angel or one of the angels has spoken to this group of people and told them about our child. In that moment, the faith of Joseph in coming to the space of Bethlehem is renewed because all of a sudden, this must be true. This must be real. Bethlehem is that space of faith. And then what happens next? Well, we get the response of the shepherds, right? So they go from the place, and what does it say? When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. They go and they share Jesus, and they speak of Jesus, and they tell the story. And I don't know how that went. Maybe I'm imagining Jonathan and Stuart jumping up and down with great excitement because they got the story, and they're going from house to house in the neighborhood. I'm sure that people in the neighborhood would call the cops on them. That would probably happen. But they're so full of what God has given them that they can't help but tell the story. What a beautiful reminder for us. We have Christmas tell the story. But then we have Mary's response. What is it? Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now take yourself out of the idyllic nativity vision that we have of Mary, where everything's perfect, everything's wonderful, the little little baby no crying he makes, and put yourself into the real story. She is a person in an unfamiliar place, surrounded by unfamiliar things. She is on display. She is a 13, 14, maybe 15-year-old young girl trying to figure out how to be a mom for the first time, surrounded by people she doesn't know. And yet, she treasures it. Why does she treasure it? Because that's the place where God shows up. God shows up in her difficulty. God shows up in her challenge. Do we need to know anything about that? How many of you have loved the year 2020? Not many hands. There's things that have gone on, things that are good. I had a grandson. Bam! Good year. But we've also had challenges trying to figure out how to move forward with the church. Some of you have lost work or are underemployed. Some of you have lost friends, people that you care about to the virus. Some of you have been stuck in a trailer for two weeks trying to get through it. God be praised. God has given you strength to navigate that. Each of us in our own way has had a difficult year where we've needed God to show up in our difficulty because without him, the challenges would be too great. 
can you treasure 2020 and ponder it in your heart? Because that's what Mary did with her challenges. That's what she did with her difficulty. That's what she did with the hard story that she had to walk through that was not like she planned, that got blown up in the middle by this thing that she had no control over of, and she was having to deal with something that she couldn't manage as a young person. She needed God to show up. Friends, that's exactly where we are. This Christmas, we are in Bethlehem. We are in a place where we need faith where we need trust in God's presence for our future because if not, it's too much. And here's the thing about Bethlehem. In this story, it's not the end. What's the next step? Where do Mary and Joseph go next? They gotta go to Egypt. It gets even harder. They have to escape, they're unsafe, they're in a place where something really, really bad might happen to them. They're in the place of faith in Bethlehem because that prepares them for any difficult ahead, difficulty ahead. And friends, that's exactly what we need to. I don't know where we are. Are we in Bethlehem and the story's done? Are we getting ready for Egypt? I'm not sure. But what I do know is that I can respond to God's story in the same way that we see the two types of response to the story. First of all, I can be the shepherd. Let's go and tell it. Go and share it. Go and speak it to the world around us so that they might hear. Even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's a challenge, this Christmas season, this Christmas time, whoever it is that you're gathered with this week, make sure you read tell the story, not just with the nativity scene, but with this, this addition, that no matter what, the same God who is present here in a stable, in the manger, is present with me now, giving me strength for everything that I face ahead. Tell the story, but also treasure it, right? God has been present in you this year. That means this Christmas, you and I can celebrate that presence. We can ponder it and we can treasure God's presence through the difficulty because I don't know about you, can you imagine walking through the last nine months without Jesus? I can't. He's given us that gift for those of us who know it. And if you don't know it, that's a gift that's promised to you in Jesus. Any difficulty ahead, he will be with you. Treasure that. Ponder it. And when the time comes, share it. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for this story that we can tell so regularly in our community and experience your grace that equips us to go and tell the world about it. May you, Lord, keep us in that place of faith every day. Keep us in Bethlehem for at least those seasons when we need it to equip us, Lord, for whatever it is ahead. We're in places of discomfort right now. We're in places that are unfamiliar. Places, Lord, where we're not sure what it is that we're doing, but we can trust in you because you show up time to time, every day, to show yourself to us in your love. 
may that equip us in Jesus' name to be people who profess your love to the world so that they might hear. Father, you're the one who does that work in us, and you're the only one who does it. We pray you do it today. In Jesus' name, amen.